This is Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. We have another great episode today of Change for Your Dollar, where we have conversations and talk about the blessings and burdens around money and faith and life. I'm your host, John Putnam. Hey, everybody. It is great to be back with you today. I think I told you last week it was a gorgeous day in North Carolina and the birds were singing so loud. Good gracious, they are at it again today. But hopefully, well, I guess if I'll say hopefully you don't hear them, but if you do hear them, it's okay. Little chirping birds in the background through the windows of my home studio. That's not a bad sound at all. So we're just going to leave them alone and leave them to their birdly business. How about that? And yes, I just did use the word birdly. So, okay, (laughs) I digress. Wonderful to be with you. You know, I want to talk today about a word. You know, this is one of those words that comes up a lot in financial conversation. A lot of times in when I'm doing life planning for clients around their wealth structure, you know, this word comes up a lot. And the word is enough. E-N-O-U-G-H. Now, it's usually used as an adjective. I looked up some definitions, and Merriam-Webster was the first one that came up, and that's what I want to share. It defines enough, the adjective, as occurring in such quantity, quality, or scope as to fully meet demands, needs, or expectations. It goes on to go further into the word as an adverb, and it defines enough as an adverb as in or to a degree or quantity that satisfies or that is sufficient or necessary for satisfaction. (laughs) Okay, when that word satisfaction comes out, It reminds me of something my dad used to tell me. He was a great storyteller and a great orator and speaker. And he said, son, there are certain words when you share them that your message will quickly go from preaching to meddling. And yes, I did just use a silent G at the end of those two I-N-G words. Absolutely, I did. And when we start thinking about those words like enough and satisfaction and satisfied, and I was talking about this topic with my buddy Chip recently, who was reading a book that shared that the average U.S. household has about 300,000 items in it. I mean, that blew my mind. At first, it's like, there's no way. But then... I started thinking about all of the nuts and bolts and my junk drawer and the files and the stuff in the attic or the closets, everything that I've been wanting to clean out of the small shed that we have. And I started thinking, you know what? That's probably not far off. And as I started thinking about that, I started thinking, you know, I probably need to start cleaning some of these things out of my home, sort of decluttering a little bit. And it reminded me of a book review I read a couple of years ago by Marie Kondo. She wrote a really cool book called The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. 
It's a really cool, thoughtful book, very simple premise, but powerful in its nature because it goes against this tide of accumulation and never having enough to this idea of, I am satisfied and this is enough. There's one simple part in this process, and I'll paraphrase this, but the basic idea or one of the basic ideas in the book is that you pick up any item in your home and you ask, does this bring you joy? And if it does, you consider keeping it. If it doesn't, it needs to leave your home. And it's just one way to create a simple filter as you begin to declutter and organize your home. And maybe your mind went to the same place as my mind did when I first heard about that. Because it's not always what brings me joy, but where can I find joy? What brings God joy that I have this item in my life? You've heard me speak about hidden influencers around our financial choices. It's really the space I live in the most when I'm doing my church workshops or I'm doing interviews. That's the place I live in because I really believe there are these hidden influencers that are affecting our financial choices, and we don't even know it. Some are more hidden than others. And one of the influencers that we all have are our friends around us. Now, when you're starting out in life or really any time, you know, you're in someone else's home and, you know, it's interesting, you know, everybody's maybe having babies at the same time if they're married and having a family or everybody's sort of buying houses around the same time. It's a little bit like a domino effect. And then maybe furniture gets added in. You get the picture that these trends around our friends Wow, wait a minute, that rhymed. Maybe I'm feeling a little more poetic today than I thought. Yeah, these trends around our friends have a way of influencing us in unique ways. So let's just think about furniture for a moment. You know, someone's upgrading their furniture. All of a sudden, your furniture at home doesn't look quite as sharp. They probably shopped around for the best price. They looked at reviews. They talked to different people. They made their choice and got their couch. In a recent episode, I made the comment that long before we begin to act differently, we need to begin to think differently. And if you are going to upgrade a couch in your own home, you're probably going to go through homework and due diligence. However, there's another criterion now that you are adding into this equation. Do you want to upgrade your furniture just because your friends are upgrading theirs and you want to keep up with them or keep up with the Joneses, as they say? Or do you want it because you really need it? See, we want our most heartfelt desires to please God and to honor Him with our resources. Now, you're probably thinking, John, time out a minute. I mean, do you really want me to believe or expect me to believe that God really cares about my couch? Well, not specifically, though the Bible does tell us that he numbers the hair on our heads. That's in Luke 12. I take that to mean he knows us intimately and cares about the little things as well as 
the big things. And I also know that he cares about your heart. And he wants a relationship with you more than he wants you to own the new couch. And if he senses that the couch will get in the way of that relationship in some way, whether it be through the expense, the lack of savings, debt, if you're going to go down that road, which would not be the way to go, of course, then the Holy Spirit would caution you through this inner voice, through your conscience or through other means. And you may really, really want this, but something inside you just doesn't feel right. So in that context, I believe that God does care about your couch or your car or your house or anything else that may come between you and him. That's why this idea of enough is so important. See, for you to hear the Spirit and obey the Spirit, something needs to change. Something needs to evolve in you. If you're hiking in the woods and you realize that you're on the wrong path, what do you do? Well, the sooner you realize it and the sooner that you get on the right path, the better. And If money has become an issue or a challenge for you personally, or if you're married for you and your spouse, it may be that you have been walking on the wrong financial path. So instead of asking, how can we find more money to support our lifestyle? You both may need to ask a more telling question, such as how much is enough? If we're talking specifically about money for a moment, y'all, we're in a tumultuous time right now, and it is only taking a few dips of a stock market or a few clicks up of inflation, some downsizing by a company, or those type of economic factors that are influencing us, and all of a sudden you realize how fragile an economic or a financial position can be. You can't fully guard the economy, but as Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. When the widow gave her two mites, she was giving that from a heart perspective of commitment to God of all she had. He was enough. In Matthew 6, that instructs that you cannot serve two masters, that you will love one and hate the other. The undertone is the commitment and care and love for one versus the other. So how much money or stuff does it take to interrupt a person's relationship with God? For Eve, all it took was an apple. For Judas, it was 30 pieces of silver. For the foolish farmer, it was a barn full of grain. And for the rich young ruler, it was all the wealth he had amassed. What about you? Do you have enough? And when you're thinking about that question, if your answer is a number, let me encourage you to think a little more deeply. And how much is enough? It's a good question, but I don't think it is a complete question. It's pretty simple to understand, but I believe it leaves too much open for interpretation. I mean, how much is enough for what? 
so we will never run out of money, so we can do anything we want to do, or so we can remain steadfast in God's will. You can continue this on and on. Let me close with a sample of the question rephrased a little bit, and I believe with a little more clarity. And that is, how do we steward what we have to honor God and love our neighbor, living well within his provision for us while remaining open to his calling on our lives? God gives us a very simple answer in Hebrews 13.5, and it reads, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you love, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. But regardless how you ask yourself this question, you do need to ask yourself this question, but approach it from God's perspective and his answer will be revealed. You've been listening to Change for Your Dollar podcast with John Putnam. Thank you for joining me for Change for Your Dollar where we have real conversations exploring the burdens and blessings around money, faith, and life. For more tools and resources, please visit changeforyourdollar.com. I'm John Putnam. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to being with you again next time.